All right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number 221. I'm your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hey. There he is. Uh, in this in this episode, we're talking about the film Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, uh, the newest and only theatrical release Marvel movie that we've gotten in uh, the last two years, give or take, something like that. Uh, before we get into that, though, we want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Make sure that you leave a rating or a review. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Three Drinks in Pod. You can like us on Facebook and comments, compliments, and sponsor offers can be sent to Three Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. And lastly, don't forget to check out our uh, merch store on tpublic.com for all of your face mask and baby onesie and t shirt needs. Yeah. A Marvel movie. Marvel movie. Well, this is the first time I went back to the theaters in almost two years. Do you recall the last one that we saw before like that we did a podcast? I'm not, I'm not sure if you saw one after this one, but like the last one that we saw before we had to go into lockdown and didn't have to, and then couldn't go. I think it was Star Wars. Well, I think it was 1917 was the last podcast we did. Oh. Where we went to the movies and saw a movie and then came back and then did, did a show. Uh, and then, yeah. I think that was okay. like, I, I looked it up a while ago. I'm like, you know, because somebody asked me, I was like, when's, you know, because I, I get complaints from people that, that that listen to the show. Like, you hate everything. I go, I really don't. <laughs> I really don't. Like, we liked Pig. And someone's like, like pig. I like yeah. come from away, right? And everyone's like, well, like before I had seen come from come from come from away. Somebody had said, well, you know, what do you like? What have you seen that you liked? I went, well, there was this Nicolas Cage movie about a reclusive truffle farmer living in the Oregon wilderness that I really enjoyed. <laughs> like, yeah. see, you see, it's not just us being contrary because there there are true contrarians. Uh, like Armand White, who writes for, of other things, National Review, and I'm just like, okay, that's that's a level of nonsense that I can't get my head around. So, like, you can't blame us for, like, not liking whatever kind of schlocky thing we happen to come across, but, like, that, like, if you didn't like Toy Story 3, you don't have a soul. It's just, just that's just how it works. Yeah, I mean, it's not my fault people put out schlock. Yeah, I mean, look, you, I think people really underestimate how much bad stuff still gets made. Like we look back at like all the like the B movie era, like all these like you know Mystery Science Theater three thousand movies that came out, and there were thousands of them over the last century, thousands. They're still making those. They're just like a little dressed up now. It's the same stuff. And then every now and again, you get a giant, you know, franchise like the MCU, and you're going to have a couple of stinkers. It's just the law of, of averages. What can you do? Yeah, you know, the more you see, the the broader your you know cinematic palette can be, and you can see things. That you can separate the wheat from the chaff, as they say. Also, just you know. well, you're more apt to see junk if you see if you see more stuff, and we try to see. Well, sure. Uh, and you and I see nothing compared to like serious critics, who, <laughs> no, will, who, we're, who we're not real critics. <laughs> no, this is <laughs> we're two yahoos from nowhere. <laughs> we are two yahoos from nowhere. Um, but like, 
real guys see like 200 movies a year. You know, you and I are lucky if we, you know, we break 50, you know, like it's really. Uh, yeah. And that's like know. a big deal. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Like we're <laughs> aiming for once a this month. <laughs> We're aiming for once a week with this. We are lucky if we meet that goal and we didn't so do we it in August because we were on vacation. We, for yeah. We don't normally hit that. Anyway. What were you drinking over there? I just uh, got a. Uh, I'm finishing bottle. the last of my Blue Point Summer Ale. Mm. Well, you've been misinformed that this week is Negroni Week, everybody. I feel like you say that every time you have a Negroni. <laughs> You're like that guy on the internet. Okay, everybody, sweeping declaration. <laughs> it's Negroni Week again. <laughs> we're, I'm we're not going to say this. you're wrong. We're doing I mean, it. <laughs> no, but there actually is a Negroni Week. And this is it. Okay. So this is my third one. You're on your third Negroni? Or third I make Negroni them smaller weeks. than I used to. I make them a lot smaller. Because like I was... They're not supposed to be bucket-sized. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had to retire the bucket. No, I um, I also learned that uh, watching all the YouTube that I watched in the last year, um, I watched a lot of like bartender YouTube, and they were like, you know what? This is a good drink, but like equal parts of everything is kind of a lot of Campari. So just peel back the Campari and the vermouth, and it's still a really good cocktail. Probably better because it's not so like bitter or sweet forward that you can just. It also makes the drink a bit smaller, which means you can enjoy it for either longer or for more of them. So that's where we're at here. And yeah, Negronis are good. They're delicious. But I think it was Actually, you who brought who, who brought them up to me like ten years ago. I, I know it was me. <laughs> <laughs> Old professor of mine were drinking them in Gettysburg, and like that's when you know because no offense to the people in small town Pennsylvania's, but you don't make everything in the biggest glass you can find. So like I was drinking giant Negronis at the time, and I was like, these are delicious. Let's let's make these and. You know, I kind of fell away from them because I'm more of a beer guy, but they are still good. I'll still drink one. Yeah, no, they're great. You know. And I've learned riffs on them where you make them with either bourbon or rye. It's called the Boulevardier, which I can't mm-hmm. think of a more pretentious sounding drink. But um, yeah, no, they're great. So we drink up, me hearties. Yes. Yo ho. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my son. Did I tell you? Well, go ahead, the, no, go ahead. I was saying like you made a pirate a pirate reference there, and my son was recently reading a book uh, with me for bedtime, and he read it with with my wife last night, and it was funny because it's this weird series of books by the same guy who wrote like the pigeon riding the bus, which there was a great meme by the way. It was like this like fake news picture of a guy saying you know you know due to the national shortage. Of, of bus drivers, the pigeon is now allowed to, to drive the bus, which is a, mm. which is a joke that like eighteen people get, and it's really funny. But this this guy writes this these books um, with an elephant and a pig that like are ridiculous, and they do all these kind of crazy goofy things, and they're written like comic books, where there's no like just text; it's all like you know in you know word word bubbles and things. And um, Oh, my train of thought went right out of my head. I hate when I think about what I'm going to say. I know, like, it just Something goes... about pirates? Yeah, pirates. So, <laughs> <laughs> there it was. We jumped right back on. It's this really weird story about how, like, this these 
this elephant and, and this pig want to go on a car ride and they get all this stuff together and then they go, all right, well, l- l- let's get the car. And it's like, let's get the car. And the pig's like, I don't, I don't have a car. <laughs> and they have like an umbre- umbrellas and sunglasses and luggage. And the guy goes, well, we could just be pirates. Yar! And... <laughs> In all the thing, my, my my son is like reading into like part of like one of the of the of the, of the two characters, and then he just sees the pig go yar, and he just says yar like he knew what it said, y a a a a r r r g g g h, and he just knew what that was, and I was like, that's the strangest thing to be impressed by in the world. How many Negronians do you think the authors of those books were drinking? It's really funny though. Like it's, they're they're totally weird. <laughs> <laughs> totally worth it. He's got a lot of different books, and that's the the fun thing about this guy. He's got different books in sort of different genres. He kind of has a style, but it's you'd be surprised that certain things were him and certain things were you know were also him. But uh, his name is, is um, uh, Mo Willems. So if you you know if you got kids, look him up. He's great. You were saying. Um. So I went to see this movie in the theaters because you had to. And I was all set to have one of those big, giant uh, movie theater Cokes. And I was so disappointed that they switched to Pepsi. Ah. Oh. Because it's cheaper. And they're losing money. I get it. But I, I would have paid eight bucks for an enormous bucket of soda. <laughs> and I didn't. Because I was like, come on, man. I was so bummed out. Where'd you go? Uh, I don't know the Regal. Oh, is the, is Regal still open? There was a thing years ago, not years ago, months ago, perhaps years ago, where they had uh, folded. I thought, but they're back. They're back. I suppose. Yeah, I went to an AMC, and AMC has this very intimidating soda dispensing system where you go up there and you put your cup down, you get some ice, and then you can choose your base flavor, like Sprite or Coke, and then you could choose like various enhancements. Like vanilla or like boysenberry or just a variety of different things you could also make. It was very strange. I never. I just. I just want a coke, and I have to make you know like a a, a concerted effort to just get a coke and not get something I don't want. It's very intimidating. They get you. That's how they get you, indeed. So, what did you think of Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? I had very low expectations for this movie just because I had never heard of the character and like not even like I'd kind of heard of it maybe 20 years ago in college where a buddy of mine, you know, who was a comic book fan mentioned it casually one afternoon during lunch. I'd never heard of this. So I was like, well, I mean, you know, it's being released on Labor Day, which is a junk date to release a movie like nobody goes to the movies and i was like i'll just go because whatever it's like the first marvel movie that's not being you know doing a simultaneous release on um disney plus which by the way i knowing that i can kind of get behind scarlett johansson's suing of disney for totally screwing her out of a lot of money because Black Widow was an established character in a bunch of movies from Iron Man 2 on. 
and her movie doesn't get like a like an actual release, and this movie does. Like I was, I can kind of see where she's coming from. I liked this movie. I thought this was really different, and I mean, I would say really different in the sense that it was different in a lot of small ways, as opposed to like whole cloth different. But like they made a lot of of you know sort of lefts where I would have thought they would have gone right at various points in the film that I thought were, you know, they were, they were, it was interesting and it was sort of, you know, kind of refreshing in the, in a way. There were problems with it. There was sort of like narrative issues with it, but for the most part, I I thought it was a pretty well done movie and I was just surprised as kind of how different it felt for what it was. And like, I think that's encapsulated by the fact that I just kind of eh, I sat down here and I was like, maybe pull up some 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 info about the movie in case I have to look up something while we're talking. And so I just typed in Shang Chi and Google auto or auto populated the suggestions. What are Shang Chi's powers? And I went, oh, this is the first Marvel movie that doesn't have a superhero as your main character. And yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't have any powers. He doesn't have any powers. And I, I kind of, like, I that wasn't lost on me as we were sitting there sort of watching it, but it's it doesn't kind of hit you, hit you over the head. He's got some unusual abilities, and that's kind of, that, that's that's nice for him. But, like, it, you know, it, it makes him able to compete within the world that they've that they put together for him. But he doesn't have anything. That, that, that sort of makes him remarkable. That solely belongs to the villain of the story. Like, it's a really very different kind of story. And, uh, you know, I, I can't tell if I like it more because of that or if I just sort of, like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's one of those things where, like, it, it, was, it was good, yes. It was made better by the fact that it wasn't as predictable as the other ones were. So, what'd you think? Um, I also liked it. <gasps> That's yeah. two movies in a row, three movies in a row. So, those of you paying attention and keeping score, you can suck it. It's still <laughs> three movies, one hundred and ninety-nine. Like, <laughs> yes, this is episode two hundred and twenty-one. This is the, I don't know, thirty-second movie that we both liked. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was also obviously not perfect. I, I think it goes a little nuts at the end there. Well, they all and do. Like, that's just what these things are. I know. And, and, and I was really hoping this one wouldn't do that because it was so, it was so interesting up until that point, um, where they go to magical Chinese land and they're, dragons fighting soul-sucking demons and stuff and it wasn't like it was the worst thing i've ever seen i was just like this is so different from him fighting thugs on a bus (laughs) like we have gone from a to z here (laughs) you know like and it happened gradually enough but the next thing you know you're like am i staring at the giant freaking dragon coming out of the water i guess i am (laughs) you know um but aside from that, you know, it was good. The acting was pretty good, and the fight scenes were fantastic. They really were. Like, I kept like 
after we saw Mad Max, and I watched the behind the scenes about that, I really became very focused on, you know, what can I see? Where is the camera? Where, you know, like there was a whole thing about, I forget who, who, who directed that. But, there were, but I remember watching like a, a behind the scenes thing where like just keep the camera, keep the crosshairs on her face was what I could hear him saying in the background. And I, I look for that now whenever I watch a, a fight scene. It's like where is the center of the camera pointed at? And is that a thing I can see and follow? And then I think... Well, even... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, even like... I mean, every failed MFA student has a, has a YouTube channel now. <laughs> or a podcast, one would say. And <laughs> sometimes they make really good points. And, and one of them was like... A, they were talking about like the cuts. And especially in a martial arts movie. So like, in a, like the cuts in a movie like the Bourne films are purposely done hazy and, and jittery because the actors aren't really doing the moves so they get stitched together but he says like he, like I think he, the guy I was watching took Mortal Kombat the recent mo- movie if I'm watching a guy sweep somebody off his feet with a leg kick and you're, the camera is on the ground level and all of a sudden it cuts because it's obviously not a full complete move in the cut the camera suddenly jumps across the room and is now at a higher vantage point so that I can see the guy fall on his back your brain is registering that as two separate things, whether you realize it or not, you know, versus where in this movie is, if I, you know, same with the center of the camera, if I punch somebody in the face and all of a sudden the camera jumps from the one point of view of the guy punching to the guy getting punched, my brain is still registering the same thing because I'm on the same level. I'm still watching the same move be continued. You know, it makes a big difference. Now you can still do it with a bunch of cuts, but there's an uh, an editing and an art to the edit that makes a big difference. And this movie was very good at that. You know, I mean, there was still plenty of cuts and nonsensical moves, but um, they flowed so much better that they were fun to watch. Yeah. It, it, it was a lot of fun to watch all the fights. You know, even when the pace was flagging and there was a million backstory pieces, I was like, oh, a fight scene. And like, you would perk up again, you know. Yeah, this sort of did the opposite of what we usually get. Is this, is this, oh, they're gonna they're gonna do another fight. All right. Oh, look, you punched him a little harder this time. Like there were, there were pacing issues with the movie where I kind of got bored halfway through, and there were, you know, a lot of exposition things to um, kind of iron out. <laughs> My wife's walking down the stairs right now, looking at me like I don't usually come down here during these 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 things what's a rare wife sighting yes well there's the ice cream in the fridge down here so oh well yeah i forgot to bring it up um but um but yeah like but the the fight scenes were almost like a respite from the sort of awkward storytelling that they had to because there was a lot of information in this like this movie was could have been a couple of movies it could have been a, a tv show like there was a lot of story here to deal with and i felt they did a pretty good job of paring down the whole thing to a contained this is the intro story for this character and and how we can you know set him up for for you know future big movies but at the same time you know like they the, the, there was a lot that they had to get out for it to really make sense and they did about as good a job as they could have done you know, with giving you, you know, like I, I, some of it could have been more artful, I guess. 
but sometimes it's just you just have data you have to give you have to give them information and there's you know there's no artful way to do some of these things like you got yeah, a lot a of lot yeah like yeah. there was a lot of these things that you i just think about the but the bus scene like okay like so he gets into a fight in the bus and yeah there's a crazy guy who's got a weirdo arm has a sword that's that's kind of nuts but the things that happened in that fight were very fluid and organic and they didn't have a lot of talking nobody said oh my god the brakes are out like the fact that that line wasn't in the movie is kind of a big deal it's a low bar to set but it's kind of a big deal but you got to see all the things happening clear enough to realize that the guy cuts through the floor, he cuts the brake lines, the fluid drains out, and then the 80-year-old the bus driver, like, you know, hits the brakes, nothing happens, has a panic attack, passes out, and then Aquafina's driving the bus. And now she's Batman, you know? Like, <laughs> the bus you know, is out of control. Out of control. <laughs> <laughs> you know, underrated episode of that show. Because just the whole story was told in flashback. Anyway, but like, you know, you that's that that's a lot of information to give, and you have choices. You could do it sloppy, or you could do it pretty neat. They did it pretty neat, but there was like so much information about who people were and why they existed that you had to do a lot of voiceover. And I, the first thing you hear is voiceover, and I kind of roll my eyes like, oh. All right, and it reminded me a lot initially of um, what do you call it? The the stupid Disney movie Raya and the Last Dragon, because there oh, you had a lot. lot of. I mean, culturally, it was not similar because one is Chinese and one is Southeast Asian, but like you had a lot of information to give about the complexities of certain societies that are not familiar to American audiences, and. In Raya, it was just constantly talking at you, like, this is how you do this. Which, if you think about it, is even more infuriating when, when you consider the fact that that's a Disney movie for children. And little kids can't get behind when you talk at them. You have to show them things, much like adults. And they didn't do that. This movie began that way, but it didn't continue that way, and that was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there was... There was a lot of that, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. It was. They did a lot of good stuff in terms of, you know, you you get a good sense of who everybody is, and what their powers are because they don't have any, and the only one who really has any of them is the father, the villain, and they're just defined enough that you're like, okay. His magical ten rings basically make him invincible, you know. Like every time he'd whip them around or do something different with them, you just sort of shrugged. Like I was like, oh yeah, okay, the guy's been living for like a thousand years. Like whatever, you know. I, I never worried about that too much. And since you only had that guy to worry about, everybody else just had martial arts and kung fu. It was like, yeah, okay. You know, like you don't have to sit there and worry about what can Iron Man suit do and what can War Machine suit do. And, you know, everybody's on as equal footing as they can be, except for the dad who's super ultra powerful. Yeah. You know, so you don't have to keep that, you don't have to keep that in your head while you're watching. And like having just recently re- rewatched um, 
Civil War, that was kind of a thing in that movie that... I mean, it's sort of unavoidable when you put every superhero together to have them fight each other. You know, it was it, 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 it was comic booking so hard that it's going to beg the question, or rather going to raise the question, you know, how would Captain America beat Iron Man? Just certain things seem implausible, but clearly he was stronger. And, like, I find that a lot of those movies were kind of, kind of laying foundations for the, you know, for the end of... Um, of Endgame, where he becomes you know, he's he's able to to wield Hor- uh, Thor's hammer. <laughs> I was gonna say Horus hammer, but that isn't a thing. Um, but yeah, there was none of that comparison thing here. It was just like everyone's a person except for this guy, who's complicated and who doesn't you know doesn't sort of run around like he did in the beginning of the, of the movie. He has an army to do that for him kind of thing like he could easily run around and do all these things himself but you know in typical bad guy fashion he's got his you know his, his foot clan to do it for him yeah i'm surprised he didn't have a volcano there <laughs> he yeah. pretty much did they had a they had a compound in a mountain yeah i mean like you're kind of splitting hair at that point um he was great too tony lung which i don't i don't really know him um from anything in particular, I know that he's spoken of in other podcasts I've heard on this movie pretty well. I was like, this guy's, you know, a very famous Chinese actor. It's from from Hong Kong uh, 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 specifically, but um, I'm, I'm looking over his kind of credits now, and he, I think he was. Yeah, oh yeah, he's so, a big star in, in in China. Yeah, he so he was in Internal Affairs, which is the movie that. Um, the Departed is based off of. So, I mean, that's that just sticks out of my head. Like that's you know that's kind of a big deal. So yeah, he's a very big, uh, big star in China, and you know with good reason. Oftentimes, a lot of these actors, I don't know something about, you know, culturally things don't transfer over. He was a very interesting villain. I think more than pretty much any villain in all of these movies there's been like 50 of them now at this point and like you know warmonger kind of has his fanboys and um michael keaton is well michael keaton he yeah he's 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 kind of good too he he doesn't get as much sort of screen time and his his motivations are a little bit i don't know they're they're sort of less sort of emotional but there was a moment in this movie where I kind of thought that maybe he wasn't the villain. And I think that that speaks to the the writing of this movie in that if you can watch a movie with a villain and not only kind of like, well, I kind of see he has a point, but you you can you actually go, well, what if this story goes in a different direction? And instead of him being the villain... He ends up being right, and they have to reconcile the fact that he's right, even though his his methods are terrible. Like they crossed that line for me, and that was kind of a big step as far as the the writing of a bad guy in these Marvel movies go. And that was I, I thought that was really impressive, both in you know in the writing and also in the delivery. Like he seemed very earnest about this. He seemed insane, and he was certainly a bad guy. But he was the most complex villain 
that they've had in these movies, I think, ever. You know, he didn't. He wasn't driven by rage alone, like Killmonger was. You know, he he, he was driven by, you know, the fact that he loved his wife who died, and she died horribly, and by the guilt that he felt that, like, you know, it was his past that he was trying to reform from that he couldn't escape that eventually killed his wife and destroyed his family and and basically for you know not forced him but led to him abusing his two children into making one of them an assassin and the other one you know he just abandoned essentially also an assassin and then also becomes an assassin or at least the you know underground you know fight promoter and yeah, the that, underground death ring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that That's a lot. Can you think of another character? Maybe I'm missing one in all these Marvel movies that had a more complex journey, especially compared to his screen time. He's only on the screen for maybe half an hour. Dad? Yeah, I mean, the movie's only two hours and ten minutes long. Most of it is is like the first forty five minutes of it are it takes place in, in you know California with them on the bus and all that nonsense. Like, oh, I thought he that... was in it a lot. I mean, he's in the whole prologue and everything. Uh yeah, he doesn't really do anything. He just kind of. Uh, I mean, me, I'm 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 underselling his his screen time, but it seems seems like the story was dominated by Shang Chi. And the, the the father story was just so rich, it seems to take over the story, even though he was on screen less than the other characters were. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It, I think that's what does this, the disservice to the movie is that they end up fighting giant soul sucking monsters at the end. So he he's a good he's a good enough villain and i wish they had trusted that to to be you know like the climactic fight at the end rather than have him go into magical china china land like him and they him and the sun fight but not because they fight you know there's no fight where the the, the dad realizes the error of his ways and the sun kind of comes around. It's more like the father opened the door to, to some dimension with a giant monster in it. And just before the monster eats his son, he pushes his son out of the way because he loves his son. Okay, fine. But the dad never learns anything. Like he doesn't, I mean, because he gets his soul sucked out, spoiler alert. Like he doesn't have this moment where he like realizes he was wrong or he repents or he you know, he's not, he's sorry for what he did, but he would have done it anyway. He doesn't get any of that stuff. So, like, his buildup and his story were great. And, like, that family dynamic is, is what most people can relate to, magic rings or not. And it just sort of fizzles out at the end, you know, with, because they're so busy fighting monsters. So I still think he was great. And he's a great actor, that guy. I just I wish it had a better ending to it. I mean, there are pluses to the ending, though. Like, so one of the things I keep complaining about, and I, I'm not entirely sure if it's Marvel movies. I keep complaining about this, and it probably is, but who knows? Uh, yeah. So, I think it was Black Widow. The concept of sacrifice, where like you know people give up something to achieve something else. 
Black Widow had none of that because it sort of couldn't. You know, it like the, your 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 main character, you know, was in, in a story that preceded the one where she died, so you couldn't have her give her, herself up. And then, you know, the new character that was introduced in that story was going to have other movies made for her, so you couldn't have her give something up. Like the, no no one really had to, you know, could sacrifice themselves. And that that wasn't missing here. So, like, you know, while there was a big giant monster fight, it it kind of happened in the background in some ways. Like, they get there, they're going to take over the, you know, Chinese Disneyland. And so in the middle of the battle, he runs off and finds his father and they fight in front of the, you know, the shrine to his mother while the thing's happening in the background. So, like, the big battle is happening back there, and here you have this intimate, you know, bit of combat between father and son. That's pretty That's pretty special. And he loses that. And, he like, he try. And, and, you know, that was the great thing, too, was that he... His, his mother beats his father in the initial fight that they have because her style of martial arts is much more crouching tiger hidden dragon and his is more you know you know drunken kung fu much more aggressive closed fist and so shang chi goes to his aunt and says teach me how to fight like her because she could beat him and i i don't think i can and she does and then he forgets that like right away and tries to like you he, he he tries to use his, his anger to beat his father and it doesn't work, and he gets knocked out underwater, and it's like the the water dragon that saves the day, giving him life underwater and having him sprout back up again. And then he goes back and he fights his father in front of the dragon scale door, using all the different open-fisted kung fu that, that his aunt taught him. So, yeah, the monsters are there, and they're terrifying and big, but... They're sort of not the focus. It's not Kong versus Godzilla. It's <laughs> yeah. it's that that's that stuff is happening and it does get muddy. No, but I mean like that stuff's happening. but you're right, like they don't fight any of those little tiny monsters. That's what all the other cannon fodder people are for. But but the giant <laughs> because of course there's a giant monster, that thing interrupts their battle and cuts it short almost. And as he's getting his soul sucked away, he doesn't like make a face and be like, I love you, son. I'm sorry this happened. There's there's nothing. He just Oh, dies. disagree. Disagree. Hundred percent disagree. What does he do? He dies. No, he <laughs> opens his fists. He does? Yeah. Okay, you weren't paying attention because there was totally well, this was a, a few weeks ago now. <laughs> All right. There was totally a moment where he looks at his son and they have that thing where like no two people could possibly 50 yards away communicate like this, but he does it where he has that moment where he's like, I am letting go of these rings, sacrificing myself, giving the rings to you because you're going to do the right thing with them. Whereas I was a dick for a thousand years and I killed a lot of people and behaved very badly for a millennia. And in that, he opens up his 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 hands to release the rings to Shang Chi, who takes up who takes them himself, and then becomes a Mary Sue and uses them to great effect. Yeah, there was definitely that moment there. 
And you're right. It needs that moment. It can't not have that sort of, you know, that, that decision making, like I have to do this because if I do this, then, you know, and it, what's, it's what makes him a real character and not just, you know, a puppet, you know, like a, you know, like a puppet for the, you know, for the MCU is like, we got to, you know, get this Shang-Chi storyline going. Cause we need to have a Chinese superhero. It's, it was much more in depth than it had any right to be considering that it was a character nobody had ever heard of aimed at a market. That's not this. I mean, it was a good portion of the film in Chinese. <laughs> like, it, like, like they had subtitles, but it was. Oh yeah, I thought there was a lot. Yeah, which was good. I thought, like, you know, I, I, I appreciate when, if it makes sense for people not, not to speak English, that you know, we can all do some reading for God's sakes. Yeah, I don't see what what the problem is. No, no, but like, again, they chose. Uh, you know, a higher path, even though the bar was rather low. Like they could have, there's lots of things about this movie that could have been worse. And whenever I thought they were going to make a shit decision, they didn't do that. You know, they had people speak in English for the most part because it's easier on the on the American audience for whom this is primarily made. But a very close second is the Chinese audience, who is massive. I don't think, I don't think they're they're showing this in China. Well, that's what I was. I I had heard rumor that there was not that this wasn't being shown in China. And so the what I've learned about the Chinese marketplace is that only a certain number of movies get to be shown in China. The Chinese Communist Party has a pretty good you know stranglehold on the kind of films that make it to their theaters and I don't know they pick 25 something like that movies per year that they're going to they're allow to be shown and this is interesting because it, it forces studios to make decisions about the stories that they tell to allow them to be marketed in China and they self-censor a lot of stuff so like one of my favorite movies in the last 10 years or so is The Martian with Matt Damon which I like because it's kind of a, not a low stakes movie, but like it's sort of a low anxiety movie about a very crazy situation. A guy stranded on Mars, how does he get back? And you kind of know from the beginning, based on how the movie's set up, like he's going to make it. He's not going to die. It's just, you know, it's a reasonable thing to assume based, but everyone, Everyone in it is good, and like all, like all the actors are great, and the story is good, and Matt Damon is a very good actor. But the end of the movie, they, they get saved by the Chinese space agency, <laughs> like out of nowhere. <laughs> they haven't been they haven't been mentioned before now. Like cut to interior, you know, Chinese space agency director head. Like we're gonna save this American astronaut who's been stranded on Mars for the last you know nine months. Like really, you're a character now. Okay, that's not an accident. I mean, most notably, this was done with the remake of Red Dawn, where the initial bad guy was the Chinese army, and they, you know, they got a note from the studio heads like, "You need to change your, you know, your bad guy here." So it became the North Korean army, 
as if North Korea could possibly muster an assault on, on, on the U.S. mainland. That was hilarious. So, yeah, they, they pick and choose what movies that, you know, can, can be shown in China. And they're, I don't think they're showing this one. And I don't, uh, know, why. Not. I don't know why. Well, I mean, this one has a lot of Chinese and Asian Americans and Asian actors but and an Asian director and a couple of writers, but like that's not it's not like a gung ho China movie. I mean, the villain is still Chinese, so it's not like it shows China in any great light or anything like that. And that's more, I think, the ideology is more important than the representation to them. I don't think it shows them in a particularly bad like the China no. is not the bad guy, it just was one Chinese no, it's just, guy. It just, it just doesn't say anything either way. So if you're not saying how great they are then like what's the point okay yeah i i and of course michelle yo was in it uh as she was con- contractually obligated to be in every movie with an asian person yeah an aquafina too what did you think of aquafina in this i can't stand aquafina her voice is an ice pick in my brain stem <laughs> I can't stand the way she speaks. It's not her fault, but she's awful. So, yeah, I, like even um, when I see commercials for her dumb show on Comedy Central, it's like, oh my god, her voice. Oh, so it's, I, 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 I'm pretty sure she has an actual like identifiable vocal trait called vocal fry. And I, I'd never heard of this. And I, you know, again, a lot of YouTube the last two years, just to keep off the news. Um, and this one guy that I watched with, uh, he, he was on a bunch of Wired videos about accents in movies. And, you know, he, he, he's a, a dialect coach. He did a video about this thing called Vocal Fry. And he had specifically, I didn't watch the whole video, I don't think, but he was talking about like the Kardashians. And they kind of have this like sort of like like noncommittal kind of like. Thing that so what is hangs. vocal fry? <laughs> it's it's what Aquafina I think has, where like nothing kind of kind of lands. It all kind of just like all like the voice glides over all the sounds, as if it's just sort of sizzling. And not like what I'm doing right now is deliberately hitting sounds harder with the back of my throat and the front of my teeth. Aquafina doesn't really do that. She's, it's throaty and kind of non-committal almost, and that's it. Grates on me as well, but I, you know, I, I, I think it's, I think that that's how you would describe what she does. And you're right; it's not her fault, but it's very present. Yeah. Well, well, she's a comedian first and foremost. Yeah. You know, like she's also not really an actress. So it doesn't help that her that her acting isn't very good. So that when she speaks, you know, her her voice is impossible to listen to, and she's not doing a great job emoting, except for being like loud and shocked, and you know, big dopey grin on her face, like her three emotions. So, and there was a lot of her. You know, so it was just like, oh my god! Like when she was like, "Well, I'm getting a plane ticket too." I was like, "Oh no, he's gonna <laughs> drag her to China with him." This wasn't a cameo. You're really coming with me. I was like, "Oh, he's gonna bring her on 
on everything. Like I just knew we were in for it. I was like, all right, fine, I guess. Yeah, but I thought she was the weaker, one of the weaker parts of the movie. Yeah, although I have to say, like, I, I'm trying to think if I've seen her. Like, I guess I saw her with, like, Crazy Rich Asians. And she was worse than that. Yeah, there was a movie she was in that was, like, an indie film. Um, where she, I think she goes back to China. Her grandmother is dying and... Um, like she's really the only one who like wants to talk about it or knows about it. She was supposed to be good in that, but I didn't see that. Almost nobody saw that. I think it came out like right as the pandemic hit. So, you know, what, what I know her mostly from is stupid comedy roles. You know. Yeah, she's not funny. Not not like not like ha ha funny. She remember she was in like Ocean's Eight with all the girls. That's what I said. She's not funny. That was yeah. terrible. Like the more I think about the movie, that was really an embarrassing movie. Um, mostly because most of the of the actors in that are good, and that was a terrible, terrible movie. And it's not fair that movie. Like Ocean's Eleven is really a great movie. It's the best of all of them, including the like the Rat Pack one, which isn't very good either. But. Yeah, she's not. She's just. She's just not. I don't know. She has her moments. Like there, she was less annoying to me in this than in Ocean's Eight. Like she's. I don't know. She's not. She had moments at like the pinnacle of the battle, where I'm sp- like thinking of that scene where she's like she kind of made friends with the old guy, who's just like. Don't die! Like, don't get like, like we have no time for your shenanigans. Because like, neither did I, and I was fine with that. Yeah, but then like when he bites it, I was more upset about him dying than like ever feeling anything for her. <laughs> right? No, which which is which is appropriate. Like, You're supposed oh, to feel badly for because you know the old guy gets it, and but the, I I I don't know. I kind of felt that that was an important thing, like. Yeah, she's gonna be quippy. She's gonna she's she's like the Will Smith of this. Like you know, she's the character that doesn't change at all. Like she, they still have to do the one liners. They're there to 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 be the comic relief. But there was a moment when she watches this old guy who, you know, twenty four hours ago she didn't know, and now she really cares about because he helped her like survive this insane situation get his soul sucked out of his face right in front of her in midair and yeah, those things were really uh, creepy those things the, yeah like i they, they were sufficiently scary without being gory i felt like that was actually a pretty good decision on their part like they 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 made the, the, those things terrifying and they still managed to like interject some humor and like keep it kind of pg13 you know, like, like, all right. So one of the best things about this movie, which contrasted dramatically with Black Widow, was that, so you have all the, the bad guys in the bad guy army led by the dad who's a jerk. And there's one special person in that bunch. Just like 
in Black Widow, there was all the widows and then the taskmaster who was super good at all these things. And in oh, Black Widow, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in Black <laughs> Widow, you know, the taskmaster who's not. I, I you, you think you mentioned it in the comics is not kind of a big deal, but it's like it's kind of a big character. People like him. It's like one of those like minor characters that people kind of are drawn to. He wasn't a faceless goon. Yeah, and in this, he was kind of a faceless goon. And at the end, they reveal him to be his the bad guy's daughter, which carries no weight emotionally whatsoever because you had never met that character before, except as a kid. And you kind of had to be told, this is, you know, Ray Winstone's daughter. Like, there was nothing to tell you that that was the, what, what was going on. And in this movie, there was the big old gang of bad ninjas and one special ninja in a blue outfit with a face mask who you watched as uh, when the when the main character was a kid get wounded, like he scarred his face kind of a thing. And you figure, oh, this is this is like a special ninja. And you're right, but not for the reason that you thought. And that was really clever. So they set up this faceless character as potentially having some kind of reveal. Like, who, who is this, you know, one guy out of the whole band that can kind of defeat Shang-Chi? And it turns out he's so good that he's the first guy to get his face sucked out by the dragon, you know, um, demons. Yeah, and that shows you just how fucking serious the situation is when your best warrior is dispatched with instantaneously. Yeah, like that's very efficient and effective storytelling, and I give a lot of credit to whoever wrote that. Like, because like he's not a character; he has no face. The big like you know Romanian guy with the half hand that that, that's a sword. (laughs) The is a character, <laughs> you know, and like you kind of like, you, you know, you, you're not, he's not your buddy, but you kind of know who he is because he's not wearing a mask. And in the span of five seconds, that guy gets his face sucked out. And then the, the, the Romanian guy's like, don't worry, we got this. And he tries to stab all of them. He's like, and he can't because it's magic. But there are rules to magic here, which is good. And, you know, it's played for laughs. Like, we should work together to beat all all the dragon demons. He's like, fuck you, we're going to do it ourselves. And he physically can't do it. And then they show him, no, it's our it's our weapons that can do this. And he makes a crack, like, oh, we should work together. You know, and it all of that worked. That is a tough needle to thread, and they did it. They did all those things in, like, 38 seconds worth of movie that made it all work. And, you know, it was that's really impressive. Yeah, no, that was a really good idea. Yeah. And and like I had the same reaction. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it makes it, you know, it it raises the stakes. It dispatches this character that you don't know and you really don't care about. They're just like, you know, it's a, basically a prop to, to, to do all this. And like, I mean, I don't know. It's, that it's it, like it's it's like having an odd job in his character and he gets his head blown off halfway through the movie. You know, yeah, we're suddenly this character that's being built up as really, really tough is taken out. And so it's like when they always say you should kill off a hero. So everyone's in jeopardy. I mean, it's the same thing with a villain, you know? Yeah. Because because he's 
they'd set him up as an effective bad guy that was difficult to fight with martial arts and then all of a sudden he gets his soul sucked out and you're like oh my god <laughs> yeah you know it how makes will, it how will the rest of them yeah how will the rest of them survive you know yeah like how do you raise the stakes like you know like that's that to me it will it will always be the biggest sin you know in 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 movies was the like the the fact that George Lucas wouldn't let Harrison Ford die in Return of the Jedi. Like, he just, he couldn't do it. Because he wanted to make a kid's movie. And it's one of those things, like, I don't think any, I don't think he knew what kind of movies he was making. Like, he, he, he knew how to set it up great, but he just couldn't, he couldn't finish it. And everyone else knew what the hell was the right decision to make and he everyone else knew oh, that the just... kids that watched this movie in 1977 are now in college like they're all older now and like the little kids who are watching the old movie like yeah they'll they'll, they'll be sad but it, it'll be much more satisfying as they age and i you know that it's a weird thing that like some filmmakers like they want to make movies for kids only and that's an admirable goal. But one of the things I kind of like, I liked about the, the Harry Potter series is that like, you know, they they were able to walk that line where you, you know, you took the people who've been watching these movies since they were like nine, now they're in their 20s. And you, you've, you've, you've hooked them, but you've also roped in new fans. And like, that's, you, you can't always have your cake and eat it too. It's, you know, and you can do it with Harry Potter because it's a richer story. You can't do it with Star Wars. It's not that that deep a story, you know. But anyway, so was there anything in this movie you didn't like? Um, I didn't like the randomness of the dragon, the the, the good dragon. Like there was well, no didn't mention of, it. They did. They, they didn't even. They were. They did or they didn't. They did, yeah. Like when they meet Michelle Yeoh, when she's explaining, she's basically giving backstory about the, the soul-sucking demons and everything. And she says, "We had a great protector that came and destroyed the biggest of them and sealed them behind the gate." And like as she's showing like the mural of everybody, there's the dragon in the mural. And I was like, I, "Oh, big dragon." China. Yeah, <laughs> I. I guess that wasn't recognizable to me as like there's going to be a big dragon at the end of this movie. Like I, the Great well, Protector I mean, could have been a euphemism. Like I, d I didn't quite know what they were getting at. Well, there's a dragon in the mural, but like I didn't realize we were going to have that kind of fight in this movie. So like they got more and more wacky, and I was like, oh. So like when the dragon showed up, I was like, sure, pile on. <laughs> like we just saw little bats sucking the souls out of people. So why yeah. not a giant dragon? Like I. I'm not going to say I was stunned and dismayed to see a giant dragon. I was like, oh, they literally meant a great protector. Like, it was, right. you know, it was a big. Great as an immense. Yeah. <laughs> it's more of a size thing than. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, like literal, literal great, not figurative. Okay. <laughs> um. So, yeah, like that, that, I, I guess I kind of wanted more from like, I mean, and I'm not sure that would have helped. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, and it's just like you mentioned it once. The great protector. Okay, fine. Holy shit! You mean a great protector? Like maybe that's 
the angle that I, I should be taking with this movie. Um, the the backstory thing was not done well, and it's not that you can't have it there. It just wasn't done well, and I can't tell if it's frequency or I can't tell if it's like placement. But I think it's both. Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Like all of them were important in a way. Like you needed to get a sense of like, there's this guy, and he's a jerk, and he gets these things. We don't know how he gets them. It's not important. But he uses, and I kind of appreciate like we didn't get to it like a backstory like where they came from because it ultimately doesn't matter. Um, but it's like he used it to you know devastating effect and it, he wasn't nice about it and um it just kind of kind of cuts to a really great and seductive fight scene and like we haven't seen that since like crouching tiger like that was a long time ago that movie came out that was almost 20 years ago you know and the really effective scene where you you see how the mother dies and how these these just random thugs show up at their house and says like, "You need to die because your husband is terrible," and she's like, "Ah, that's fine. I'm gonna take you all on." Like nineteen more guys show up. It's like, oh. so there there's a way to do that better. I can't do it. I'm not gonna say that I'm talented enough to do that, but I'm just saying like. Somebody more talented than me and a bit more talented than the screenwriters here could have made those transitions a little bit more artful. They were effective. They they got the information across, which is... I just wonder how much of that information had to be shown because they already don't show a whole lot. Like, they mentioned that the wife died many times. And I remember sitting there thinking, like... I wish they would just say how she died. Like, it's frustrating that I don't know. Like, it makes a difference if she died of cancer or yeah. if she died, like, in an airplane explosion or a hot air balloon disaster or something. And then they show you the scene where she dies. And you're like, oh, okay. And that's fine. And then you had other scenes where they were showing him as a young boy or, uh, like, as a teenager, and he was going to go off and kill somebody. And at the end of the movie, he just tells Aquafina, I did I I lied when I said I didn't kill that guy. I actually did kill that guy. And I'm sitting here like, I'm glad you're not showing me that, but why did you show me other stuff then? Like, why not just tell me other stuff? You know, like he says, my father trained me from a young boy to be a, a good fighter. And you see c- scenes of him being trained as a little kid. And there's a lot of those scenes. Yeah, and they're they're hard. They're they're a little bit torturous. Like there's the uh, yeah. scenes with him punching that 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 that, that um pillar. Yeah. And like His really fit into the... hitting it. So like some of the background scene like the this flashbacks needed to be shown and some didn't and then sometimes they would be flip-flopped. I'd be like I don't need to see this scene again. Just tell me. You know. Yeah, I mean it's good they don't tell you how she died. Like so, like so, some some parts of this work. It's good. It's good that they, that they don't tell you how she died. You kind of assume like I like my first thing. My first thought was like, oh well, she was immortal, living in this place, and she meets this guy, 
who's a bad guy and they fall in love over nothing other than just the way that they can fight and how she could beat him and like it's weird and kind of cross-cultural like that's not a thing I think a western culture would really identify with but I could be wrong about that but that anyway it was just weird to me but okay fine and then you you kind of see bits and pieces of them as they you know as she's a, a young mother and then she dies and they don't really mention it so you you kind of assume like oh i guess she went from being immortal living on this you know strange bamboo forest to being human and then dying of boring human disease like just kind of you know very run of the mill things you don't kind of think much about it. And then they cut to a thing where, like, they're all kind of hanging out and playing. And then, oh, wait, no. Not only does she, is she murdered, she's murdered in front of her children. And then the father renounces all the things that he gave, or rather he reclaims the things he gave up to be with the mother to do vengeance upon the people who, who killed her and bring his son along for the ride. And then begin his training as an assassin. That's important. And like that part is fine. But like it's, it's all necessary. And it kind of is a story in and of itself. Like if this was a, like a TV show, that would be like a whole episode. That's like, you know, I'm thinking of like Daredevil. Like the original Netflix season of, of Daredevil. Where you get like you, you, you meet the character and he's kind of fully formed. And then you get backstory later on. You get a whole episode about how he meets the other guy who's blind and, like, you know, he fills in some of the gaps. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the same thing, so they had less time to do it. So that's, you know, it's, it's all necessary, but, like, there's a core of it that's super necessary, and it has to be interwoven through a much bigger and more grandiose story about another person, about the the son not about the father so there's there's just a lot going on and all in all i have to say given all the balls that had to be juggled here it really worked out as best as i think as it could like this is this is a solid movie and it was a surprise i think because we you know like i i you know i had no expectation and i was i was really really you know pleasantly surprised I I think the sister is a waste of time. Well, yes, but they haven't made her movie yet. Yeah, so, I mean, I didn't see the very, very last credit scene. She takes over the Ten Rings, right? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. So she'll, like, secretly be the bad guy next time? That's what they're kind of getting at. I, I feel that they'll, because she was not a bad guy in this movie... She's a little, little bit amb- ambiguous because of, like, you know, the fact that she, you know, they say, like, you began an underground fight club at 16? Like, yeah. Like, like, so there'll be a bit of, like, humorous ambiguity there. But, you know, it's kind of yeah, a know, joke. Like, you know, I there's mean, her like. St- her story is writing is, is in the background the whole time. Yeah. You know, like, she trained herself and she's just as good. And she's just as angry and, you know, she fights along with him and she's always just there. 
I mean, if you're going to set it up because she wanted it to be a sequel, then okay, fine, I guess. But like in this film, it just felt like one more thing that was in the way. And I was like, this, they don't do enough of her to make her interesting, but she's there enough that she's distracting. So here's the reason that's probably true. I'm very smart. Disney, Disney's biggest market, I you know, by country, I believe, is the United States. Its second biggest market is China. This is clearly a film aimed at attracting a Chinese audience, even though it may not be playing in in China right now. That was, who knows why not? But that's, you know, that's what's happening. That said. There are certain aspects of Chinese culture that are incompatible with the political climate that Disney would like to know people like people to know that they espouse. It's a patriarchal society, China, deeply so. Yet they don't want to, you know, they they made a movie about a guy and about a father and son, and it's about men, but they also want to make another side project that features the sister because they feel they can get a lot of traction out of that side of this story. And so I think that she's there as a setup because they want to tell the story of a female person or a, you know, a person possibly who could birth people I don't know what you call it these days but like they want to have that angle later on for a whole set of movies that are not going to play in China or, or like a whole TV show that'll just be on Disney Plus you know like a, an adults only like lady fight club thing so it's set up for a variety of reasons and it is in contrast to what else is going on both story wise and culturally Make sense? Yeah, I mean, I I think they just wanted to have a girl power character in there. Right. Yeah, okay. You could have just said that. <laughs> no, I I don't think I could have. I think you <laughs> I think you I think you I think you're the one better at saying it in like eight words and I have to take seventy eight. Uh, yeah, I mean it's just that's just how it felt. And so like having her there. Uh, especially when you have Aquafina there, because Aquafina is the character who doesn't understand anything that's going on. She's your audience surrogate, and so you you need her to be like this. Just crazy town. Whereas the <laughs> sister was also just nodding along to things, like everything was just she just knew everything already. Also, and I was like, this is so dumb. And and like she has her own anger issues that just they're there, but they're also they don't explore. So, what did you think of the old Mandarin? With Ben Kingsley. Oh, I forgot about that. I mean, at that point, I was like, "Yeah, okay, fine." <laughs> I mean, look, it was so awful in the in Iron Man three. I was like, ah, "Okay, we can we can do a little retconning, I guess." Uh, I, we're at that point now with these, where you could do that. You know, like it's it's not quite the the. The, you know, the end of Deadpool where he, you know, shoots himself in the head for making 
you know, for like doing like the uh, the Green Lan- the, the the Green Lantern movie or making oh yeah, you know, Wolverine Origins, but um. Look, Ben Kingsley will do anything, and thank God, because he's great. He's not ever bad in anything that that he does. So, good for Ben Kingsley. I mean, as a character in this, he was fantastic. He served a purpose. Like it wasn't like he was totally random. Like it was just this tag along character used to sort of retcon something from eight or nine years ago, it was, he was used to great effect to move the story forward. And that the flying ass thing was really strange. I'm not quite sure I enjoyed that, but like... Yeah, I mean, he it, even his explanation where he's like, they just keep me here as like the court jester. I was like, would they really do that? I mean... Well, he's just... He's so good at playing such a weird character. And not weird in, in like an inaccessible kind of way, but weird for this. Like a like a genuine, you know, normal life weirdo like you and I have met. Like I've met guys that behave like that. Not a lot, thank God. Like one or two in my life, I've met somebody who would actively engage in like, let's just start doing lines from King Lear at random in the middle of whatever. And like, there are strange people like that. What if one of them ended up being wrapped up in this story? Like, wouldn't that be kind of a lark? And he's Ben Kingsley, so he's great. Like, there's nothing bad. <laughs> like, you know, if it was the lesser actor, I'd be like, what the hell are we doing here? But, like, yeah, I mean, they wanted to obviously fix, so they wanted to fix this character because for a couple of reasons. First of all, he's not, they changed him a lot, even from what he was in the comics. You know, like in Iron Man 3, his character was like this weird amalgamation of, of symbols and things. And then it turned out even worse than that. He wasn't really the character. He was like an actor faking it. And he was really um, Guy Pierce's puppet or something like that. So they were like, you know, we pissed everyone off with this bizarre creative decision we made. How do we fix it and not make and We can't like hand wave it away. It's not something... It's not something like changing an actor, you know. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know why he doesn't look like Ed Norton anymore. He just doesn't. So yeah, or Rhodey, or like, yeah, you know, <laughs> just, he always looked like Don Cheadle. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> Which so is they the just most sort of, racist thing ever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they all look the same. No one's gonna notice. Yeah, Terrence Howard and Don Cheadle look exactly the same. Oh my god. But like so, like they they sort of just threw him in there, and then they even had that one scene where Sean Chi's father is explaining why he did it, and like the American Mandarin is like, it's, I'm like, wow, they're really just gonna explain away everything. I'm like, okay. So what 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 was it he said there? Because I was like, I got distracted by what was going on. He said that he had lonely lent something to somebody. Yeah. That, Guy Pierce's character came to him and said, I want to use your, your like, uh, the legend of you for my own company. 
without getting you involved because he said at that point I was with your mother and I wasn't doing this stuff anymore. And they hired some guy instead and used his, and he goes, and he picked the name, the Mandarin. He goes, and it worked because Americans are stupid. Yeah. He goes, but he, neither of them had any idea what real villainy and power was, you know, and it, it was all about what your name and your legacy was supposed to really be important to these people. It was a good scene. I just like I, I missed some of the details about the the explanation. Yeah. Now here's the thing. Did that still bother you? Like oh, the you know, Ben as, Kingsley reveal? Yeah, in in Iron Man three. It didn't bother me. I I thought it was a I thought it was a bad decision creatively because uh it was it was done as a lark. It was done as one of those, like I read in interviews with Shane Black, where like we just thought it would be interesting to do it that way and have Guy Pierce be the villain. And originally in that film, it was supposed to be the woman who was the villain. Hmm. And they've, they've come out and said, like, they basically told us, make it a man so we'll sell more toys, which is a, which is a shame. Yes. And that's why Guy Pierce was the villain. And then they said, like, we just thought it would be interesting. And they said, if we had known that that was the reaction we were going to get, we would have we would have changed it so like even they were like we just did it as a lark and like i'm not such a big iron man fan i was offended or anything i just i didn't think it served the story very well because like i'm i'm looking over here like that was 2013 that film came out that was yeah, it was a while eight ago. years ago it was a long time ago i kind of like if this didn't serve any function in the story it would have really annoyed me the fact that it did saved it because it's you know it's kind of one of those things like just let sleeping dogs lie like you made this choice it was kind of dumb you also made thor 2 like you like this is a lot of movies and like if you're gonna do a pound for pound discussion about like how successful this franchise is you're way ahead of the game. Don't worry. Like, you know, like, don't don't worry about your your own own goals. Just take what you got and run with it. Like, you've already got something that's you know that, that's that's really great. So, the fact that 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 they they kind of brought this back up again seemed odd to me. But the fact that they were able to, you know, get Ben Kingsley to do it because he's great and the fact that they were able to make the character somewhat integral to the story and he was funny and he was engaging it was like uh, okay fine like it didn't bother me but it was um, it didn't, yeah it didn't bother me it just one of those things like if if you fucked it up like everything in this movie if you fucked it up it destroys the movie like they they, they walked the tightrope here so much and they got very lucky at pretty much every turn and good for them yeah, I I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, and I liked that. If I I feel like you could have taken someone who didn't really know much about uh, the MCU to see it because all the little Easter eggs and nods were not necessary. You know, Easter eggs used to be this thing that were extra, like a little surprise that you find. So when you see. Uh, the abomination fighting Wong in that death match. It's just supposed to be like, oh, huh, I know that character. That's cute. 
It's not supposed to be like we're setting this up for nine more movies later. That's not an Easter egg. That's a crucial plot point. <laughs> you know, like that's something that needs to be there. Yeah. You know, and there were lots of that in here. Where like, if you happen to catch them, it was a nice bonus. If you didn't, I can still enjoy the movie. Yeah, and they, and Easter eggs have like layers too. So like, of those two characters that you just referenced, I knew one of them, and barely by name. Like, I know the the like the the round Asian fella from Doctor Strange who's appeared in a couple of other movies. Like, he's a funny character. But like I didn't know the lizard guy. You knew the abomination was his name. Like that's yeah. He was in the Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton. I mean, that's a long time ago now. Wow. Yeah, I think that was two thousand eight. That was like the second one they ever did. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, a sh- you know, I, I like Ed Norton. He hasn't really done a whole lot in general lately. He's you know he's kind of thought he's, he's, he's a little needy. That's why. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's supposedly a small. Tremendous pain in the ass to work with is what we hear. But yeah, uh, I, I hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> anyway, this was good. You should go see this. So you should go see it. You should get vaccinated and slap on a mask if you need to and go see it. Yeah, just or 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 just get vaccinated. Just go do that and then don't yeah, go see good. this. I don't care. Too. But go get vaccinated because Jesus. I mean, Christ. it was. It was much better than uh, the Black Widow movie. Oh, Christ, was much it ever better. much <laughs> better? Just, yeah, and yeah, like it just. I don't. And I'm glad this came back to the, the theaters. I, they they took a risk on this kind of, you know, small property Labor Day weekend. But like, apparently, it had a huge Labor Day weekend for like Labor Day weekend. It was like seventy five million dollars. Yeah, it was crowded when I went to the movies. I mean, crowded for for a pandemic. There were there were a lot of seats filled. Yeah, no, I mean, I was there. It was a Wednesday night, so it wasn't super busy. But like, you know, it was maybe twenty of us there out of a theater of three hundred, so it wasn't huge. But like, you know, people are going, so go, so go. Oh yeah, I yeah. went. I went Labor Day weekend, not Sunday. So, you know. People had nothing to do. I was, I was bummed too. I mean, it makes sense because not as many people are going. So why open the theater early? But I, you know, was seeing movies at like nine, ten in the morning. <laughs> yeah, they don't, and they don't now do they don't. Anymore. Now they don't open till like twelve thirty, one o'clock. <laughs> oh Christ! I, like, I can't oh, get early. A, I can't get a ticket before like six. Yeah, I was like, oh, the earliest showing is at one. Oh man, like yeah, I had know, a day like, off the other that's day. That's a normal. <laughs> May I'll go at 10 a.m. Like, nope. <laughs> Earliest showing is 5:48. Fuck you. Yeah. Well, they don't. I mean, they can't get. They can't afford to open that early. So I was like, oh, yeah. man. they can't even afford Coke. So what's the big? <laughs> I was gonna say if we've done downgraded our sodas, things are not looking up. Go see. Th- this is why you have to get vaccinated so we can swing so at Coke back in the, in the Regal Cinemas. You cheapskates. <laughs> Sons, you selfish bastards. This is <laughs> all right. Well, if you have any thoughts about Shang Chi and the Legend of, am I, say, am I saying that right? I can't I ever. I think it's Shang. 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 Because it, he says his when he like goes underground and says his name is Sean. She's like, you changed your name from Shang to Sean. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's like why would you do that? <laughs> 
She has a point. But if you have thoughts about the movie, you should let us know on Instagram or Twitter. We are at Three Drinks in Pod. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can email us at three drinks in podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Leave a rating and a review. And that's it. That's it. That's it. We will talk to you all next time. As always, please drink responsibly. Take care. Adios. Adios.